you have divinely found Awaken Your Sacred Soul System, the Summer Series with Kate Dunnell. This series promises more joy, inspiration and an opportunity to connect with your sacred soul system. Join me this summer and beyond for interviews, high vibe processes and practical ways to live spiritually from soul with complete and utter love for you. Let's take a collective breath, a pause, a moment for you. I hope you enjoy this energetic, uplifting and inspiring series with me, Kate Darnell. This beautiful episode of the Summer Series with Kate Tunnell is proudly recorded and produced on Birupai Country. I'd like to acknowledge and pay my deepest respects to the traditional custodians of this land, their elders, past, present and emerging. Our third ever guest here on the Summer Series is the beautiful Alicia Wilfert of Yoke and Abundance. Beautiful listeners, you're in for such a treat. I had such a lovely, lovely conversation with this beautiful human who is seriously here to help the world celebrate creative souls such as yourself and really allow each of us to live a more abundant, vibrant, fulfilling life. Sound like your thing? Keep listening. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this very special episode with me, Kate Darnell, and the glorious Alicia Wilfett. Alicia, thank you for joining me on the Summer Series. It's such a treat to have you as the third ever guest here with us all. It is such an honor and a privilege. I've been looking forward to this for weeks. Yay! I have been following Yoke and Abundance for quite a few years on Instagram, and I have loved everything you've had to share. And having you here in this energy of 2022, which just feels so enriching and invigorating for so many, of course, it has a lot to do with the new moon energy too, <laughs> but yeah. having, having you here um, with us just feels so divinely timed because what you have to offer the world in living aligned with soul and passion and creative energy and supporting other people as they really step into the wholeness that is them makes my heart hum so much. So shall we start there? Share yeah. with, with the uh, Kate Darnell community. Who are you and, and what are you here to do this lifetime, beautiful soul? Oh, thank you so much for asking that question. So I am a creative, probably first and foremost. Um, I'm a watercolor painter, not by trade, but by passion. Um, I'm a coach to women and sometimes men very much. So you and I have so many synchronicities in our work. um, But I work with women who are moving through transitions in life Mm -hmm. or in business. I work with a lot of creatives, makers, and spiritual seekers. So if someone falls in that range, if if someone finds in that kind of self-identifies as one of those things and finds that they're in um, 
maybe a spot where they feel like their energy is not moving, they feel stuck. I work with them and we, we use creativity and positive psychology to move through that transition with more grace and ease than we could without it. A hundred percent. And you are also um, an author of Little Failures. Tell me about this beautiful yeah. book. That, is that officially out in May? It's out in May. And, um, you know, I've had it in my heart for a long time to write a book. And I'm, I'm okay. I've always been so impressed with you because you have more than one book out. I know that now you've combined them, but more than one book out and Oracle cards out. And I went through a program that's a hybrid publishing company. They, it's like a hybrid between a publishing company and self-publishing mm -hmm. and they guide you through the process. But what they teach you in the process is only, so of all of the people out there in the world who have it in their heart to write a book, yes. only 2% of people ever actually birth their book baby out into the world. And so I don't know it would have taken a lot more strength on my own to do it. Right. right? Yeah. When you shared that, I saw you share that um, statistic in um, stories. And I must say, I like had a little moment where I went, Kate Darnell, only 2%. You've done that. Only 2%. Yeah. I love that statistic. It is so empowering. And I, it's, like I am in awe of that number because I'm just like anyone can do that but I forget that it's it does it takes work to get to that point for us to really have that backing that self in investment in soul in self etc so wow look at that look at that two percent I love that statistic and I, I, I love that I didn't even have to ask you to speak to that but that that's come up because that was something I was fascinated by and I learned through you Yes. I'm so this whole book process, I've always wanted to write a book. And this tells a lot of my story because a lot of I I believe failures are foundational to our learning process. Absolutely. And so I have a lot of passion around getting this message out into the world. But I know that this book is just the book that's teaching me how to write a book. There are, there are, <laughs> oh, I, I really hear you on that one. Yes. Um, and I already have it in my heart to write another book. I want to write, keeping in the theme of little failures, I want to write the next book will be about little rituals. Yes. So <laughs> I love it. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. And I think this, this comes back to that like really beautiful message of just beginning. So could you share with us an experience where you just knew you had to start something, whether it be little failures and investing in, in the publisher, um, publishers or um, your business? When did you have to just begin something despite yeah. the bits that might have said, don't do it? The, yeah. Hmm. You know, what comes to mind immediately is when I opened my yoga studio. Mm -hmm. So I was working full-time at a big corporate fancy job, right? Of course. And I've been studying um, yoga for a really long time. And I've been teaching at other people's studios for a really long time. And there came this point, I would teach the 5.45 a.m. class Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I did that for like three years. And I just kind of like, I burnt out. It doesn't matter how good of a yoga teacher you are. Not a lot of people get up to take 
a flow class, unless it is like a hot power flow, you know, at that time of the morning, unless they feel like they're getting a workout. <laughs> right. That's, that's, a, that's a commitment. Awful. Yeah. 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 So there came this point where I just got tired of like burnt out and teaching yoga is a weird thing to say, but burnt out of teaching yoga. I think it's but a I, thing. I think yeah. it's a thing. Yeah. And th- so this was my first yoga burnout experience, but I had already offered to a bike shop in town that I would like a cyclist bike shop that I would love to offer a free yoga class to them. But this was before I stopped teaching yoga. And I thought it would be a way for me to kind of entice people to come to my morning class Mm-hmm. So I forgot all about that because they never got back to me. And then about a month after I stopped teaching the morning class, they're like, Hey, Alicia, can you teach that class at the shop? And I was like, Oh man, I already, I already committed to this and I want to stick to my word. So I went and I taught and I got so many people that it turned into a regular evening class. And then it came to a point where I was, we were bursting at the seams of what the bike shop could hold of people. Wow. And so I was like, well, maybe I should just open my own studio. If I'm going to do this, let's just try. And it didn't really make sense, but I had to do it. You know, it was just one of those things where spirit is telling me that this is a part on my journey. And it was really the part where just like little failures is the first book to teach me how to write a book. It was like, that was the first business to teach me how to run a business. Ah, yes. So good. I love this about little failures because it it's already, it's so far from a failure, right? Because already whatever it has to teach you about writing a book makes it highly successful. Like it's already doing its job and like, we're not even holding it yet. Right. <laughs> this is, and this is the power of creating, right? And being a creative. When we acknowledge that making time to create um, really does make ourselves and this world a better place. So, how do you, beautiful Alicia, make time to create? Oh, I have to. <laughs> it's right? just, it's not even. Um, I'm a shell of who I am if I'm not creating. So it's like my spirit can't express itself if I'm not creating in some way. So I literally wake up at between five and 5.30 every day to sit down and write my morning pages first thing in the morning. So that's my, I start my day with an act of creation because if I don't let, if I don't let it come out of me, it, when you don't let creativity come out of you and you know it's in you, it causes problems in your body and your soul. Like, right, it's poison. Fact, um, fact. Ab- so, wow, absolutely. And the antidote's so easy, you just have to create. <laughs> yeah, yep. That's the first way that I do it. But I mean, then there's lots of other little things that I do throughout the day So and week. I take a beginner, I'm not a beginner in watercolor, but I take a beginner watercolor class every Thursday um, because I love the teacher. It's on Zoom. If I can't make it, she sends me the video. So I make sure that just a minimum of one hour, two hours that I'm playing with paint 
just mm. to play with me. Yes, that is so good. Was there ever, ever a time when you weren't creating? Like, oh, and yeah, and tell us about that time. You know, <laughs> I know I'm God. so I'm really unkind, aren't I? <laughs> this is such a hard thing. Um, and you know, as coaches, I think that we talk about these times in our life, and and we talk about it in such a marketing sense. And then there's moments when someone asks you about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And you really pause to, to remember what it felt like in your body and you mm-hmm. and remember what you were like as a human being during that time. And it's painful to recall it. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So when I was not creating, it was early on in my career in corporate America, um, wow. I was just really lost, right? Like I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. I was trying to live a life of a lot of other people's shoulds, not because like, not because my parents told me things had to be a certain way, but just because there's no template for life, right? So the only thing that we have to go by is what we think we should be doing if we're not someone that's used to checking in with our inner knowing. Mm-hmm. And so until I learned how to check in with my inner knowing, it was a lot of like, well, what do, what would the responsible thing to do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I was doing the nine to five um, and I didn't have a lot of friends in the area. And so it was just like, life was just go to work, spend eight hours a day in a cubicle that's gray and ugly at something that I wasn't passionate about, but I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. Mm. And I learned to follow the breadcrumbs in the beginning. Um, So the thing that kind of pulled me out of that, I wasn't, I wasn't writing during that time. It's funny. I I say that I wasn't creating, but there were things that I was doing. And I am Mm -hmm. laughing now that I just used the follow the breadcrumbs term, because the thing that I was doing that was creative during that time was I was making bread. I was Uh making a lot of sourdough bread. Oh my gosh. (laughs) How cool is that? The the breadcrumbs were literally keeping you not as just not being that shell that you were referring to. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And um, holding you together. Yeah. And then I helped and you'll appreciate this, the collaborative thing. Um, I met this group of people who were in similar situations to me and we created a nonprofit at that time for other people our age. So the youngish people of our town who were out of college, but hadn't yet started a family and were looking to get to know each other. It was like in the beginning of the social media, like revolution where it was blackberries right at the time it was everybody had a blackberry and it was at that time where people were starting to pay more attention to their blackberries than to people and so this nonprofit, our whole thing was let's try to get people to know each other not for business networking but for your opinions and your ideas and make friends we'd have what we called friend raising groups and So that, that was the next thing. So it was all of these, and then became my yoga studies. So it was all of these breadcrumbs towards a great, like a life that made creativity the priority. 
Yeah. So there wasn't one moment where you just woke up and were creating every day, like you were already making the bread. There was just this series of, of following that inner compass, the breadcrumbs until you really knew that it was safe, I guess, to step into the fullness of you or was like, do you look back and go, it was really obvious that this, like starting my business was when I stepped into the fullness or, or was that fullness or always sort of there? Do you think? I, I think there was a lot that was there, Mm -hmm. but there was one really clear moment. And actually we're coming up on the anniversary. So this weekend is the anniversary of that moment. It's, um, five years ago to this weekend, I went to, I took myself on a solo retreat to the beach in North Carolina. So the beach in January in North Carolina, it's not like, like your January is It's the opposite of summer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Winter here, you know? And, um, so it's very cold, but it's the sunrises in the winter here are over the beach are so beautiful. So I took myself on the solo retreat and I wrote out what my core values were. Mm -hmm. And I realized that in the life that I was leading, none of my core values aligned with what I was doing. And, and I made it, I made a decision right then and there that I would quit my job before the end of that year that I would, I didn't quite know what my business was going to be, but I knew I was closing that I had run the yoga studio for five years. I knew I was going to be closing the yoga studio or not selling it. Mm. I knew I was going to go out and start another business. I didn't quite know what yet that came actually very quickly after I made the decision. Like, you know, when you internally make a decision and you're not going to go back on it, how the the things fall into place. So they did. Yes. But one of my core values was creativity still is like, it has not changed. Um, And it won't. (laughs) And it won't. Mm -mm. It's probably my number one. It's anchored in. I can feel it like energetically. It's like creativity next. Yeah. Forevermore. I love that. Yes. Wow. So how amazing. Happy anniversary to like, you know, the the weekend five years ago where you literally chose you. And I love that you bring up core values because the first thing we do in Sacred Soul System is we look at how we've been programmed and how that programming is distracting us or pulling away from what we value. And when we're not aligned with our values, we literally constantly are poo-pooing on ourselves to be someone else. As soon as we have the language of value and what we value ourselves, I believe that's when we're living that sacred soul system. We're living truly aligned with soul. And, you know, from a space that no longer is coming from, like you mentioned, the other people's shoulds or the other people's this way, um, that way. So aligning with those core values is just like step one. And I I think the reason I wanted to ask you about like, who were you when you didn't create was a lot of my community are still sitting on that periphery you know, aren't, are still thinking that creativity is for other people. And the, and when we do gift ourselves this time and the non-negotiables of what I value is happiness and fulfillment, and I can get that through creativity, through connection. And when we create, we deepen our connection with, um, you know, inner compass, divine universe, etc. And in doing that, we really can step into the fullness of, of who we're here to be which is why I adore you and your work so much because you're constantly showing up in your fullness of who you're here to be. And now we all know the secret, everyone. It's through that creating, that writing your pages and 
painting and, and being you. So can, can yeah. I pause there for oh, a second? Absolutely. Okay. So I can tell you that the thing that spurred me to make the decision to go on that solo retreat. Oh yeah. We need this. We need this bit. And it speaks to your original question. I did not like who I was. I was <sighs> becoming someone I didn't recognize anymore. So it was the type of thing where it was my job to answer people's questions about how to fill out a life insurance application. So the assistance to financial advisors, that was my job over and over and over answering the same questions. And I would do this three to five to more times a day. And I started getting really nasty to people on the phone. Like mm. it was a person that, and then, you know, when you, you know, when you say something that's snide or snippy or you lash out at someone and you like, you don't feel good on the inside. Like Mm-mm. it's, you know, you hurt them, but you, you just hurt yourself more. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I was allowing myself to be poisoned, not by that job, but because I wasn't taking the self-responsibility to bring myself into alignment with who I really was. And that was my responsibility to do that. Wow. Wow. I'm just sitting in the potency of that, like taking that personal responsibility and having that moment where you were almost outside of yourself and you were no longer recognizing who you were. Yeah. The, this idea of like um, not living awake, you know, living that numbness, that down, that, oh, yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I didn't want to be her, you know, I didn't know. And you're her. not her. I, oh, I see this, this just beautiful movie, like the gray cubicle and, you know, this, this woman that isn't you being narky and, and then stopping yourself, but not being able to stop yourself. And then like, just letting a little bit more color in every you know every time you made those that followed the breadcrumbs and and chose you and chose friendship and connection and creativity and and breath and movement yoga the studio etc so then we came to that that weekend you aligned with your core values is that when yoke and abundance was born you know the blog had been born um that I'd been blogging for a really long time and when I knew it was right before then that I knew the studio was going to be closing. Mm. And I was like, I, I just had a feeling that blogging would be a part of my journal journey. And so I had a friend redo my website in, and I branded yoke and abundance. And so it's, it's funny when we follow the breadcrumbs, right? Because now it just seems like, oh, it just happened so naturally, but at the <laughs> yeah. time no. Like it was such a weird journey where you're just like, I think I'm supposed to be doing this. I don't know why I'm going to spend $2,500 on a website, but okay. Yeah. I, I do, I, I, that's the price. That's what that money is there for suddenly. Yes. Yes. Really yeah. hearing you yeah. on that. So tell me what does yoke and abundance, like where, where did that come from or, or how did that land? Because I just absolutely love it. Oh, thank you. So yoke and yoga. Um, it means yoga means to yoke, right? So think about two ox that are 
plowing a field, there's a yoke that joins them. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel, I've always felt like when I would teach yoga classes, I would say the breath is what yokes your mind and your body, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the yoke we put on intentionally to help us be present in the moment. Mm -hmm. And so I think about that um, in that way, but there's also another meaning, you know, because I'm working with people in life, I believe we all have to carry a yoke to, to accomplish our life's purpose. Right. But we have to choose that yoke. So to me, it's kind of like the core values are the yoke that help get us to our purpose. Um, so that's where the yoke is. And then, you know, I wanted to be someone that was living a life of abundance. So someone that, saw gratitude as their main practice, as you know, we've spoken about a bit now. And you can't have abundance in my opinion without gratitude. So mm-hmm. it was about it was about practicing gratitude in in a in a felt sense. Yeah. Yes. What did that do for you as you started to step into yoke and abundance more and more? Like what did that offer your life? You know, it's my, this gets complicated. <laughs> it's all, it's so complicated. Well, we do complicated. That's fine. Complicated. Yeah. Um, I wanted to fully integrate all, all the parts of myself into my work Mm. and not everybody need, not everybody in life needs their purpose and their work to be the same thing, nor would I even recommend that for everyone, but I need it to be. Mm -hmm. And I need my work and my purpose to be in alignment with each other. And so the brand that I was building of yoke and abundance, it felt big enough and broad enough that I could incorporate the things that I think were important to live a wholehearted, spiritually connected life mm-hmm. under that brand of, at the time, I was just really living from my core values of creativity and growth and mindfulness. Mindfulness is the only core value that changed, but it was mindfulness at the time. Sovereignty. So freedom, right. And health. Those were my core values. And that was what I wanted to offer folks with under that umbrella of yoke and abundance. So stepping into yoke and abundance allowed me to come into alignment with my truest self. Mm. It most certainly did. Wow. And therefore you help other people come into alignment with their truer self. Yeah. yeah. Oh, glorious. So beautiful. So I, I suspect then that that makes it really easy to answer my, my question on what makes life golden for you because mm. yoke and abundance feels very, very golden. It, yes. When I, this question was, it tickles me so much because you shared it with me before we, we met and I'm like, my whole life is golden. Like, yes! <laughs> it's all golden. Yes, yes. Um, but it's, it is making time to be present every day for the little moments that come up. Um, I have 
a little altar in the main room that I spend my time in, in my home. So when I wake up, I make my coffee and I st- I'm looking over and I'm starting to look over there at the little altar. Now I, I walk over to the altar and I, I pour a tiny little cup of coffee for my ancestors. And I, I pause in gratitude and I thank them for being with me and for being a part of my path and for, and let them know that I'm open to whatever signs they have. And that, that's the first pause of my day, right? And then there's other pauses as well that help make it golden too. But mm-hmm. that's the first main golden pause of the day. And, and that's a really important piece of my golden life, the parts of my life that feel golden. Oh my goodness. Well, this totally, um, these insights absolutely then go into the next question of like, what's living life sacred for you? Because you mentioned ancestor connection and a morning ritual. Is is this what keeps your life like sacred and aligned to soul? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, so I write to my ancestors that, so then often what happens is after I say good morning, um, I do letters to my ancestors and I'll ask them, there's lots of gratitude for how they show up and then asking them for guidance. Um, and it's not, it's not necessarily specific guidance that I'm asking for. It's just asking to be guided and letting them know that I'm open to whatever they want to send me. Oh. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I can't help but feel, and this is a bit cheeky because there was there was none of this in the pre-show notes, but Alicia, would you share maybe a favorite part of little failures and you know a favorite a favorite little snippet? Obviously, you don't have to read directly, but a favorite thing that you mentioned in there, because I think a part of this sacred and golden life is very much embedded in the foundations of this first ever book baby that's coming out mm. in May. Could you plant a little seed in yeah. our in our yeah. heart hum? Mm-hmm. Would that be okay? Yeah, I would love to. <laughs> Thank um, you. You know, Kate, the main the main message that I want to get across with little failures is I think we hear the word failure and it's so loaded because it's it's the word itself. It's it's just a word. It's not positive. It's not negative. But as we get, when you start as a little baby, right? Like you start to walk and you fall over. So you fail at your first attempts at walking and there's nothing wrong with those failures. They are the foundation for the learning to walk. Yet something happens as we grow and we get older and we start assigning a, a connotation And I think that men probably do this too, but maybe to a lesser extent. I think what happens as women, there's something that happens with us is that many women often, when they do something and they fail, instead of saying, I tried and I failed and let's celebrate the trying, they say, I failed, now I'm a failure. Mm. And so a huge message that I want to get across in this book is that it is, it is the failing that brings us to success. So we need to embrace the little failures so that we can avoid the bigger failures. Um, and, and it's the foundation for all of our learning. So a story, well, a, a really fun story that 
that I was working on this week, I interviewed um, a friend of mine who is actually, she, she is a journalist and she goes on scientific expeditions. She spent over a hundred days at sea. Okay. Wow. Her name is Marley Parker. And she was on a boat in the, I want to say the North Atlantic ocean, and they were trying to get the scientific data. However, they happened to unfortunately be dodging a hurricane. So oh my goodness. Yeah. Right. So they're dodging this hurricane. And I think a lot of other folks would have said, um, no, you know what, this is maybe not that safe. We can't deploy our equipment, our normal equipment. So let's like, bam, done. And it would have been a loss, a failure, right? But they actually, over a 10 hour period of time, the entire scientific team decided, no, let's just try something. We can't deploy our, our big equipment. What if we made a smaller piece of equipment? So they literally took like welded together like parts of steel that they had on the boat and created a piece of equipment that was smaller and more agile that they could deploy. And they were able to deploy it and get the data that they needed. And so the point with little, uh, little failures is just try, just yeah. try. You might fail and that's fine, but at least you tried. You will always learn something in that. And that is the beginning and that's what's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so I love that particular story because it's a reminder that A, it's creating, right? Like it's creating something from nothing that wasn't there. And we all need more creating in our life, but also like they ended up getting what they needed. Um, and now they have two pieces of, of equipment. Um, yeah. So yes. just try, no matter what's in your heart, just try it. The worst that's yeah. going to happen, you might not get it right on the first try. And then you can try as long as you want until you get it right if you want to. Yes. And this is what I love about your work and, and where it's in, so in alignment with mine, because it's all about celebrating regardless, like ce celebrate that, celebrate that attempt, celebrate that you gave it a go, celebrate that three months ago, you would have never thought that you would have ever done that that one thing. And that one thing would be as simple as taking a walk or closing your eyes and attempting a meditation, or it can be literally going, you know what, I think we could remake this scientific equipment this way, you know, it, and there is no, there is no scale of, of greatness or better than when it comes to just celebrating whatever that attempt was for you. Yes. Can I ask you a question? Is that okay? Of course. Anything goes here on the summer series. Well, okay. So around this topic of little failures, can you think of a time that you failed at something and that it taught you a lesson? Yes. But of course I want to say definitely not. No, no, no I ne I've never failed. Oh, so many times. Okay. What, which one comes to mind? I think what's, what's coming to me is and now because I live in such deep trust, so if something doesn't work, I now am like, well, that's not meant to be. And I'm, and that used to frustrate me when people were like, oh, I was running 10 minutes late, but I got here exactly when I needed to be, get here. And I used to be like, 
well, or also maybe you need to set your alarm. But now, <laughs> like I was that person, but now I'm like, oh no, you will get here exactly when you need to be. And if it's 10 minutes past the hour, that is exact, that will align exactly as it has to. So the, the, the example that came to mind was I used to feel like I would fail if I would reach out to someone or if I would like put a launch or an offering out there and it had crickets, no one, no one would reply or someone would be like, no, I'd like not, not for me or whatever. And, and that used to make me, you know, my, me and my ego just would just be like, well, I should stop doing it. People don't like this, yada, yada, yada. When in true essence, what was happening was I was getting clearer on what I was offering and who I was offering it to. And that no launch is a fail because you can, you, you are literally, and now what I truly believe and live from in the quantum is you are literally getting closer to aligning with those soulmate clients and the people that need to find Mm. you exactly as you are. So I think those, I, I've probably worked with my mindset in such a way that I haven't celebrated the word failure or, or I have in that I've called them lessons or rewards. So I don't, I almost don't even subscribe to failure now, but looking back, if I had that book or I had that message of failure is to be celebrated, I probably could have got to some places a lot quicker, especially when it comes to conversations with my ego, because my ego would be like, well, they don't like you. Don't do that. Don't step into the fullness of you. And so I would go smaller, but fortunately my inner compass said no no you keep going you do it louder you tell more people you get clear on what you have to offer you know that those people are waiting for you so um I think that's probably my you know that that disappointment or feeling like oh only two people signed up I was so sure 10 people would and then allowing that not to be a failure because it isn't a failure um is probably where I'm where I'm at or or where one of the biggest lessons that I've I've brought into my work and how I live Yeah, Kate, thank you. So I wanted to ask you about that because, so I actually interviewed about 50 people for actually more than 50. I think I got closer to 60 people for the book and had them share stories of times they failed, what their process was afterwards. And another reason why I think it's so important to call a failure a failure is because oftentimes and this is, I think it's really important for anyone listening right now to, yes. he, to really hear this. Like if you want something, if you feel passionate, if you're holding a dream in your heart and you go after it and on that first try or the second try or the third try, whatever try it is, it doesn't hit, that hurts so badly. Yeah. And even when we learn something, it doesn't always take the sting away, like Mm. that searing pain that happens. And it's really important to honor the failure. So I originally wanted to call this book, Failure is a Sacred Right. Um, Oh, yes. Yeah, that was what I originally wanted to call it. But I think it's really important to like pause, honor, and grieve. Like allow yourself Mm. to feel those feelings. And you might need to like pause and give yourself like three days of mourning. Like, you know, when something really doesn't work out Mm -hmm. and you just need to like 
be under the covers. Oh, I, for- I think I probably needed three months before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that is a really healthy part of the process. It's not a bad thing. And so that's something I'm talking about in the book as well. And so sometimes when they hurt really bad, you got to grieve it before you can distill the lesson from it. Yeah. And then once you're in that healthy enough spot to distill the lesson from it, then you can celebrate it. Um, Mm. But you've got to grieve it first if it hurt really badly. So I just want to, share that additional nugget with everyone. Thank you for sharing that too, because I think um, we we can't truly celebrate. The, these steps are what make life more golden, more sacred, like the truly sitting, the pausing and the honoring what you need and how you're feeling and allowing others to see you in those feelings as well. Um, I remember my most recent launch last year, I did speak to the disappointment and it made it feel so um, so much better and clearer in me as to where I where I was taking it and where it was coming from ego and where I needed to love that ego more because I'm a human being and human <laughs> beings are going to have, you know, expectations that they won't e- always meet. So, you know, just truly um, celebrating the word failure more as well and, and not feeling like we have to ignore the failures. Um, and yeah, that's a big perspective shift for me. Oh, Lisha, you're doing you're doing your thing. You're doing your <laughs> thing. Thank you. That is truly incredible. Okay, so we've we've seen you in action. What are you here for in 2022? What's this year? I mean, your book's coming out into the world. We'll share all the show notes, um, the links in the show notes for that. But what are you what are you here for this year? Do you do a word of the year? Are you a uh-huh. okay. uh-huh. so Every year I put out a workbook that it's like the year in review and year ahead dreams, Ooh, right? Like, yes. And in this workbook, I always have a section for people to identify their word for the year, but I've never done it for myself. Oh, that's, <laughs> I love that. I lo- oh my gosh. Have you, t- please tell me you've done it this year. So this year, this year, a word came to me and it was, Like, I just know it in my bones that it's a breakout year for me personally and professionally. And so my word for this year is emerge. And it's, I really feel like I am, it's like I've been in the cocoon and it's not that things haven't happened in that cocoon, but like Mm -hmm. I am emerging out of the cocoon. Oh yeah, you are. (laughs) Oh, yes. So this year you're here to emerge and what better way than bringing a emerging with a book, put, putting that little book baby out into the world of hundreds, thousands, millions so that they can celebrate and acknowledge disappointment, failures, hurts, hiccups, little roadblocks and move through once they've sat with and honored where they've been. Wow. Ultimately the people that we see that are successful, anybody, all right. Anybody that you're currently comparing yourself to right now, they're only where they are because they tried more, right? Because they tried more. Right. And so it's like, if we allow ourselves to try more, we're going to fail more. So we need to know how to deal with it when it happens. I just see that on a, like on a billboard at the end of your movie that I'm like envisioning (laughs) for you. Like, and it just says, try more, like just try more, like, yeah, yeah, try more. 
time more. <gasps> oh, this has just been so juicy and scrummy. Have you got any other um, things you'd like to contribute or share? What 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 would you like um, our listeners to hear from you as a little wow. parting message? I want to circle back to core values. And yes, I, please. We are so in alignment on this, but everything in my life started to fall into place. And it was not a, it was not a quick process. It was a slow, painful process. But when I really made a conscious decision to identify what those were for me, not someone else's core values, but my core values, and then take responsibility, radical responsibility to bring myself into alignment with those values. It meant a relationship ended. It meant I left my job. It meant I, um, it meant there were practices that had to happen in my life that were not happening in my life. And so when I started taking the bait, it doesn't have to be one huge leap. And in fact, I don't recommend that, but like when you start taking the baby steps to bring those into alignment, you become, you emerge as the person that you are most supposed to be in this world. And that's the best way. Like sometimes if you don't think you know what your purpose is, the best way to find your purpose is to live in alignment with your values and then your purpose will emerge. 100%. And this is absolutely what um, Sacred Soul System is all about. And shockingly, the full title of this show is Awaken Your Sacred Soul System, the summer series with Kate Dunnell. And I, it's funny that when I was talking about the failed launch and only two beautiful humans who joined me and my two practitioners in the space, at the end of that, I was like, how could have I held or thought that more than two people would have been in this sacred space? Because there was relationship issues, um, toxicities, adventure to explore. There was all of this deep nitty gritty stuff to help us emerge, step into a more divine soul purpose. So it's really interesting. The expectations we'll have on something when it's like that constant reminder where I can circle back to that message of everything is exactly where it needs to be. We are exactly where we need to be. And those two beautiful sacred golden light humans were exactly who they needed to be in the first ever round of sacred soul system. It Mm -hmm. couldn't have been more, it couldn't have been bigger because sometimes aligning with your core values and acknowledging programming, that's really, really scary. And not everyone (laughs) wants to sign up for a course (laughs) with Kate Darnell. and feel scared you know um that's that's a hard thing to sell <laughs> coaching is so hard to sell because you're like we're gonna do this it's hard. gonna get messy <laughs> it's gonna get really messy and you're gonna be like you you laugh and you're so sweet and joyful and playful Kate and then you make me look at parts of myself that I didn't know we're there like my throat's starting to close up as as this lands for me um so yes yes just everything yes I'm so excited for little failures I cannot wait everyone can pre-order and be a part of all the beautiful bonuses between now and May I can't wait for people to read this book I'm so glad my community has had an opportunity to hear from you, know you, follow you, listen to your gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous Wise Women podcast, which that just happens to be an episode with Kate Darnell on. Um, mm-hmm. Follow, connect with you, learn from you, create with you. 
Alicia, you are a dream boat. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. This is just an honor and a delight. An absolute pleasure, pleasure. And I'm sure we'll see you again sometime soon. Massive love. And thank you, beautiful listener, for being a part of another enriching conversation here on the Summer Series with Kate Darnell. You will find all of Alicia's offerings via Yoke and Abundance. The links are in the show notes. Little Failures is available in May. If you enjoyed this podcast, please continue to like, share and review your energy and love is so deeply appreciated. You'll find all of my offerings at withkatedarnell.com. Stay golden.